suffering from a lack of voices in your head, then tune your podcatching radio to Two Girls, One Podcast, the prescription you need and the cure for what ails you. This week, what's the deal with doctors? And what if they are humans after all? And now, here are the only podcast hosts classified by the World Health Organization as contagiously funny, Lindsay Ford and Allison Goldberg. Hello, everybody. It is I, Lindsay. And I'm Allie. And he's Matt. Don't say anything, Matt. It's not time. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. (laughs) Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast, where we look at different internet communities and trends and interesting things that we find. And today we are looking at something that is very much a community, uh, though it's also a bit corporate, but Doximity. Have you all heard about it? No, and it's not what I thought because I thought it was like doxing, doxing, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah, Don't dox like, me, bro. Yeah, they like didn't totally think that through, but I get <laughs> yeah. it because also like doc, like what's up, doc, like docs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like spelled docs with an, an X. Tunes fandom. Yeah. Let's oh, no. contact their PR department because it it could use some work really. And especially because like the whole point of doximity is being very private. You have to be a doctor to join. Yeah. We're doxing doximity right now. We're talking all about it. Shit. Uh, So doximity (laughs) is a closed network for doctors, but apparently misinformation is running rampant, even in a forum for doctors. Does everyone feel really good? <laughs> I personally am feeling quite well. I had a lovely smoothie this morning. Mm. Is that what you were asking? Can I continue about my breakfast? No, please don't. Um, oh. But thank Great you for radio. being here. It was uh, a really good one. Okay, it has strawberries cool. and dates. Wow, that's so great dates. for our listeners. I bet they're really enthralled. That smoothie's got more dates than your Tinder app. Oh, oh sorry, no, I tried. No, Honestly, that's accurate. rude. That wasn't a sl- I wasn't slamming you. I just was trying to get a get a good. Uh, but also yeah. accurate, it at does. least for me. It had three dates, and I have none. <laughs> I'm on a cleanse. Ooh, what are you cleansing? Men. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When was my last date? It's all, it's day nine for me. Hey. Oh, I just made it up. But you mean you actually went on a date nine, uh, nine days ago? Yeah. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> sure. Okay. We went out to a whiskey tasting. It was lovely. He had told the host of the whiskey tasting that it was our first date. So everyone was very invested in us and co- coming around. It was very funny. We got to taste some very expensive whiskeys, which were delicious and definitely out of my price range. And we had a lovely time. And then uh, he never called me. So whatever. <gasps> Did know. he pay for the did he pay for the drinks? Yes. Great. Yes. I do want to for all the men who just got really mad about that, I do want to say that when women make a hundred cents to the dollar, happy to pay for my drinks. Until yeah. then. Well, he paid I think for the drinks and I paid for, for the drink. snacks. All right. 
Yes, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It yeah. was like a sharesy situation. Yeah. Important follow-up question. When you tasted the whiskey, did you say, Damn, this is so good. <laughs> Were you there? That's an actual clip from me at the place. <laughs> I was recording, yes. <laughs> um, no, but I do think that everyone should go to the place where we had the whiskey tasting. It's called The Mermaid. It's in the Arts District. It's owned. It's owned by two women and yeah lady supported bars baby they have a skeleton mermaid on the wall for halloween so Mm. i don't know how long that's going to be up there (laughs) it's probably gone by now okay great i really have nothing actually i have a lot of things of interest but they're so interesting i can't say them on air (laughs) (laughs) wow 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 wow, wow. wait okay i do have one i can share okay i went to a sex and love addicts anonymous meeting. It's anonymous. You're not supposed to talk about it. I mean, I'm not going to name names or share anyone's individual stories, but I have a friend who works in the addiction space and she's, she's been to all the 12 step programs and she told me love and sex anonymous is so fascinating. Mm. And she also said a lot of it's really relatable and perhaps everyone should be going. <laughs> and you know me, I'm up for any experience. And it's been a long time since I've had like weird shenanigan experiences. Just, I, and I, I don't even mean, like you guys know, I'm just like fascinated by humans and, but you know, with quarantine, it's kind of hard to do any of that. So I went, um, I was very respectful. I don't intend to like use it for anything, but it was so fascinating because a lot of it is really out there where you're like, whoa, but then a lot of it is really relatable. Like there was this, um, older gay man who was like, yeah, I matched with this guy and my head immediately goes to like, oh, he must not be real. He's too good to be true. How could he like me? And I'm like, isn't isn't that how everyone thinks? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, totally, totally, totally. Mm. Then there was mm-hmm. this like young straight man who was like, I have a crush on my friend and I just want to be a good friend to her. But when we hang out, I just want her to hold me. And I was like, where do I find a straight man like this? This is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting. But, you know, I do. But I do feel like, the you know, the people who came there are there, generally speaking, because something has really gone off the rails for them. So I really felt yeah. for that as well. Um, but it was a really fascinating experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, you are kind of um, venturing into being the Martha, what's the thing from Fight Club? Okay. You know? Dirty secret. Never seen Fight Club ever, ever, ever. And now the ending mm. is spoiled for me. So I'm like, ugh. Mm, a shame. I mean, the movie has been out for three quarters of your life, I think. So. <laughs> yeah. It's- so I know the, I know the ends, but I don't know. I still feel like I need to watch it to get references like that. Haley Joel Osment can see dead people. That's going to make the you know what? Guys, I saw that one. That's a different movie. I know, I know, I know. Um, okay, well, basically, it's um, Helena Bottom Carter's character. She and oh, I love her. Ed Norton's character meet up because they both are going to, like, grief support groups mm-hmm. like council meetings where it's like people who have breast cancer and testicular cancer lost a spouse or something like that like grief support groups um they like need to go there to feel their true feelings and that's how they meet you mean to feel anything for themselves yeah that has a lot of truth to it because a lot of the people there were talking about how they didn't really understand how to feel emotions until the group there you go 
what are the rules about someone who is not participating, just observing? In a, if you're not a clinician I or something mean, like, I felt a, I felt I felt kind of bad about that at first. I was like, mm, I'm here just because I'm interested in humanity. Right? Is that common? But I have no idea. But I quickly didn't feel bad because some of it, some of it was so relatable. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is like actually very interesting. Um, but I don't did you think speak you're at supposed all? to do what I did. I mean, you introduce okay. yourself and everyone's like, hi, Allie in unison, okay. which was like kind of surreal. But you uh, just say I'm a newcomer and no one has to share ever. You don't have to share. Okay. Okay. So, I had friends tell me that I should go. You know, It's really so, interesting. I would go with you. Yeah. I don't know. Speaking of groups. I don't know. Speaking <laughs> of groups, speaking of groups, Doximity. Ooh. But wait, Matt, do you have trivia for us? I do have trivia, obviously. Yes. I'm so excited. Today's going to be the day, y'all. I feel it. Get ready. Get your hats on. Get your helmets on. Strap in because we're talking about doctors. And uh, I just want to say uh, modern medicine. It's pretty cool. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree. Yeah, I think it's Thank great. You. Big fan, Good. big fan. Because uh, if if we three were born in any other time in history, we'd probably all be dead by now. Because historically, doctors uh, eh, they didn't know they didn't know shit. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to share three medical practices from history. One of these is real batshit medical treatments that were actually done. The others I made up from my very strange brain. Mm, Which is the real prescription from doctors of their day? A. Cigarettes were prescribed to treat asthma. Asthma no. cigarettes no. of the 19th and early 20th centuries no. I think were that's thought true. they were thought to relieve breathing difficulties and seasonal allergies like hay fever if you inhaled and then held the smoke in your lungs four times a day <laughs> cures your asthma that's choice a b some doctors in the 1600s believe that capturing farts inside a jar <laughs> could cure you of bubonic plague the logic here is that they believed the infectious disease the plague was actually like a, a miasma floating in the air and that by filling the air with another noxious fume like farts it would counteract the, the bubonic plague. I hope uh, spoiler to God alert. you made that up because that's fucking that is great. So spoiler alert, that's also how you cure COVID, just so everyone knows. Didn't work. <laughs> Did not cure bubonic plague, I'm sorry to say. Uh, lots of people died. Uh, choice C, pouring gasoline on your head could cure lice. In the early 20th century, some doctors suggested gasoline or kerosene could drive lice out of a patient's hair. This probably did work some of the time with patients, except when they walked past an open flame. Not good. <laughs> that is choice C. But check this out. D, all of, the all above. of these are true. Mm -hmm. Or E, none of them are true. I made them all up. I'm going to go with D because I know a. that A is definitely true. Really? Uh, Lindsay goes with D. Yeah. I'm going with E. None are true. Because <laughs> <laughs> I made everything up. I'm sticking with Love it. it. None of them are Love real. Love it. Sticking with it. Good. We'll find out the correct answer after this important commercial break. For 
out of five medical doctors agree that the following Patreon subscribers are absolutely good for your health. Wesley Cordell. Cherry Duran. Jessica Fox. Kathy Phillips. Side effects may include... Matthew Scott, Melissa Elliott, William, and Allison. Ask your doctor if contributing at the $10 or more level is right for you. If so, please go to patreon.com slash 2G1P. And now a real advertisement entitled PS4 Pro Gamers Tutor. Fully vaccinated we are. San Jose South. From the only website on the internet that covers video games, Craigslist.org. My husband and I, senior citizens, need a personal tutor to come to our home and to teach us how to play PS4 games, particularly The Last of Us Part 2, which we are having trouble with. We are senior citizens, we are vaccinated, and you must be fully vaccinated from the COVID-19 virus and show us your card. We can show you our card, and references would be a plus. Need a person that knows the games and how to work the controller? We need someone who is patient and can teach us without judging us, without getting frustrated or irritated for two to three hours. We want to enjoy this diversion. Well, Matt, you seem like the man for the task, you know? I'll do it. I'll do it. I mean, this is such a sweet granny that I'm like, first of all, I've never even heard of that video game and it has a part two. Sounds quite violent. I mean, I don't know. This seems like she's luring someone in to make like a little Hansel and Gretel situation. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's all right. That's a, it's quite a take. I think it's a two birds, one stone situation, you know, so they learn the games and then they eat the children. Yeah, yeah, but maybe yeah, it is yeah. just a sweet, sweet couple, and they're like, "Look, we get it. We don't know things, but we want to know some things, and also we just want to like maybe kill some zombies or something, and have a young person be nice to us." <laughs> I love it. They paid a lot for that spot, so uh, they they really they really need help. It's true. Is it time mm-hmm. for the trivia answer and see how fucked up Matt's head is? Oh my god, I That's hope it's correct. me. I hope I win. I hope I win. Which it will of be these? my first time. <laughs> have you really never gotten a, a single really answer right? I really have never gotten it right. No. Okay, thank you for keeping score because I, I, don't, I don't get paid enough <laughs> to, to keep score. It's easy when it's zero. <laughs> <laughs> Which of these medical practices were real in their day? A, asthma cigarettes to cure asthma. B, uh, f- jars of farts uh, combating the bubonic plague nobody chose that c (laughs) gasoline in the hair getting rid of those pesky lice d Lindsay chose it all of these are true Allie go goes with e none of these are true i made them up (laughs) should i switch to a because i know that a is true (laughs) if you if you scared then you then yeah 
It's risky. I'm so scared. That's risky. Because D. All of them could be true. Yeah, it, it could be. If you it's know just, A is true, it could be D. But it's but it's definitely. I don't know. It, it Matt, just, do your children help you with these? <laughs> the farts made me laugh so much. It's just, I you know, what doctors if you are put terrible. Farts in a jar. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like seems kids uh, come up with good shit. Okay, I'm gonna switch <laughs> to A. I'm switching to A. Oh my god, oh, it's definitely D. My god. It's definitely oh, D. But I'm switching oh. to A. I'm switching this to A. This is official. Okay, you Lindsay know, is now. You know what I always say? Get that D wherever you can, Lindsay. But <laughs> in this case, maybe A is safer. I don't know. Is this is this final? Is this oh locked in? Oh my god. In? Okay, I'm gonna stay with D. I'm gonna stay with D. Oh, I'm she's going back. D. I'm moving it back. Moving it Just back. Just tell me the answer. The correct answer is. You'll be glad you stayed with D because it is the D. Yay! Lindsay got some D. Just like Lindsay! when I go to Vegas, I'm staying in the D. Lindsay! <laughs> Finally! You did it! It's my first time. Play that air horn, Matt. It's her first day. <laughs> beow, 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 beow. <laughs> yeah. Here's the other thing that we never discussed, Matt. Lindsay loves trivia. Mm. It's true. Yeah. I hate trivia. Lindsay loves <laughs> trivia. And yet she has not gotten any right. But That's this true. one you did. How the fuck are those all true, though? How I the knew fuck the first one true? was. I knew the first one was, and I thought you I had what? heard about the last one before. I hadn't heard the farts in a jar. That's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this I is what happens had... when all the doctors are men. I should have had a different... farts in a jar. <laughs> yeah, I should have had a different tactic. I should have had a different strategy here, right? Because if you look at the, um, the the overall message of this episode, you know, I think the fact that doctors are misleading people, that it's really thematic that you mm-hmm. made them all true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So. But then I could have double-crossed and uh, totally made it up. It's just, could honestly, there's so many variables and moving parts. It's really difficult. Oh my god. I think, so what does Lindsay win? I win the chance uh, to come back next week and be on this podcast. That is correct. The chance. It's it not was, guaranteed, but it was the chance is slightly, slightly yeah. raised. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, I think it is finally time to talk to our guest, who I do not believe puts farts in jars. We found <laughs> Dr. Paul Malarek through a CNBC article that covered Doximity, which is a social network for doctors, and looked at how misinformation, particularly around the vaccine and COVID in general, how it was running rampant there. So Dr. Paul Malarek was interviewed for that article, and then I stalked the shit out of him and (laughs) eventually he responded to me so thank you for that you're welcome (laughs) so let's dive in can you tell us a little bit about what doximity is because as far as we know it's a closed network only doctors can join so can you tell our listeners and us a little bit about how it works well i'm speaking from the user point of view so it's a, a sort of like a facebook for doctors the initial intention was education, you know, provide continuing medical education credits, CME credits, but they also offered other paid services such as uh, telemedicine and other other things like that, which I'm not involved in. They kind of boast that pretty much almost all doctors in the United States may be um, connected with them or accounts. So that's quite a few doctors. Um, There really isn't a corresponding competitor except maybe linkedin but also what is most concerning is the um you know where people put comments on the articles 
and going back and forth, uh, sort of like on Facebook type of situation where comments can veer from uh, the logical and uh, linear to, frankly, the bizarre and, you know, with conspiracy theories and materials like that. When Doximity started in 2010, was it a similar boom to like when Facebook started? Was there a lot of excitement around it and doctors were like, oh, let's do this cool new thing and like hang out here together? I wouldn't say that, you know, considering that, you know, I have a lifetime in medicine and and um, probably have encountered thousands of doctors in my career. Uh, very few of those are even active with the comments and um, very few of those really were enthusiastic about doximity. Uh, pretty much, I, I really don't know of anyone except me that's really kind of into it. <laughs> and what what are you so into it about? Well, especially with the uh, the current misinformation on uh, COVID and everything, you know, there's a, a vacuum of information. People put out all kinds of um, misinformation there and uh, kind of masqueraded in terms of um, medical studies, scientific studies, and it's very harmful, as we know. Most doctors are, are working or they're busy or they want to be bothered with this, and I'm semi-retired, so I feel kind of an obligation to try to fill that vacuum with factual information, scientifically-based uh, information. We've actually, on this podcast, we've talked about the, in, the difference between disinformation and misinformation. I've, it sounds like this might be a combo of both, but why do you think that it's flourishing in a medical network? Uh, arguably the last place it should be flourishing. <laughs> you would think that, but doctors are human beings, right? They're flawed in many ways, just like other human beings are. You know, there's, there's lapses in ethics, morals. There's even doctors who've committed crimes, use drugs, whatever. Uh, there's really no screening process for when you get accepted to medical school for, you know, mental stability or morals or ethics. So there's this kind of naivete that, um, that doctors are above other people. And it's, you know, more or less not really true. They're just human beings like the rest of us. I used to watch ER, everyone. It's fine. I loved it and I still love it. And when... No shame. Um, what Lindsay's saying you. is she is a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I'm a doctor. But there was a joke like, you know, what do they call the guy who graduates last in his class from med school? And he looks up and the older doctor says, doctor. So there are dumb people who are doctors too, y'all. So you just gotta, you know. <laughs> well, I, I sort of assumed that it was people speaking outside of their specialty, essentially. What trends do you see? Like, who is it that's spreading this? Or is it people trying to make a buck off their own remedies? Like, what what's happening? Well, yeah, there's a combination of all, all of that. Making a buck is a huge uh, part of the issue. You know, um, if you um, look at the doctors that are making comments and you Google them and you research them, often you can find what their motives are behind this. So there are a lot of people that are obviously prescribing all the uh, placebo-like uh, medications that, you know, are used off-label, you know, let's see, the hydroxy issue or the ivermectin, vitamin D, and so on and so forth. So a lot of these people boast that, you know, well, I've treated thousands of my patients with this and this or that. And uh, let's say none of them got 
none of them died or, you know, they make all these spacious claims. The fact is, you know, if somebody goes to Rite Aid or CVS and goes, gets a vaccine shot, the doctor makes no money. Okay. But if the doctor says, okay, well, I can give you these, uh, let's say magic pills that are more like homeopathic remedies, you know, they could at least charge for the visit, you know, let's say that's $100, $200, you know, could be built the insurance or whatever. The patient does, has a copay, let's say $20. So it's not that big of a deal to them. And then they run off to the pharmacy and they get whatever or to a supplement store and get whatever that doctor prescribed. Some doctors, and a growing number, have been involved in pretty much, I guess, you know, like alter- in a kind way of saying it is alternative medicine, but it's more like a homeopathy and, um, you know, whether it's vitamin D, zinc, you know, all these other um, kind of, they call them cocktails that are supposedly treatments to prevent, you know, from getting, you know, serious COVID complications. Can the medical board go after people? Because isn't this against their Hippocratic oath to be saying things that could, you know, encourage people to hurt themselves? Um, Well, Hippocratic oath is, you know, just something that you say in medical school. It's kind of overplayed by both doctors and the public that it's some sort of, you know, moral or ethical imperative. You know, of course, you know, people are supposed to practice, you know, good medicine and evidence-based medicine. But the medical boards are terrible at policing doctors, and doctors are terrible at policing themselves. It's kind of like asking lawyers and politicians to police themselves, and we see how, how well that works. Yeah. So, yeah, the medical boards, and especially some are, they're all political entities, okay? So let's say the medical board in California is probably better than some other states. Texas is really bad. Florida is really bad. I think some of you might remember that we had that uh, frontline doctors in D.C. a while ago, and then Mm -hmm. one of the doctors was nicknamed the Demon Seed Doctor, and they were from one of those other states. And as far as I know, they're still practicing medicine, even though they were uh, talking about, you know, um, alien DNA and succubuses or incubuses were sleeping with human beings. And that part's it, true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's factual. Yeah. So, so yeah. So why the medical board of each of these states do not go after these people? Well, a lot of it is they're probably scared because of the uh, political implications. Mm. So people are doing all kinds of things. It's kind of like a, a barely controlled form of chaos. That's how I yeah. describe my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about you. You mentioned how it's like Facebook for doctors, and that seems extremely appropriate, seeing as Facebook is currently in very hot water and Doximity is now kind of finding itself in hot water because. After it IPO'd, everybody started paying attention to it. You know, of course, recently, you know, we've learned a lot more about what Facebook has been doing or has not been doing. You know, um, actually, we know a lot more about what Facebook has been, let's say, neglecting than what Doximity has been doing or not doing. As far as Doximity is concerned, it's, it's very opaque. I don't think anybody really knows, you know, if they use AI or some sort of combination of that in human intelligence to try to filter out misinformation or not. So what are the main ways that you've been engaging with other people in Doximity? I know you've been fighting 
misinformation. I don't have much of a connection with Doxa Media itself. They did send me an email back uh, a couple of weeks ago that they were interested in my um, volunteer efforts. I uh, help volunteer doing vaccine clinics around my county and do a lot of the education and logistics, you know, drawing up the vaccines, giving vaccines, educating people. Um, so I've done over 60 clinics and um, probably vaccinated or educated thousands of people by now. So it's kind of interrelated in a way because, you know, I have to battle misinformation, disinformation in the community, you know, doing the, the uh, vaccines and also on the, on the uh, Doximity platform. So mm-hmm. I see the effects of information in real life, in real time. And, um, and then, of course, that really concerns me when I go online and see, you know, tons of mis- misinformation on any platform, whether it's Nextdoor, Facebook, or Doximity. But of course, the moral, ethical, and professional imperative on Doximity is a lot more serious because... It is, after all, for doctors, as you know. Just a quick adjacent question about the mechanics of the platform, since we were talking in the context of Facebook. And, and you know, I agree with everything that's been said here of like, oh, you know, that Facebook has a responsibility. But like, even if Facebook wanted to combat misinformation, it, the scale is so big that it, it literally can't uh, to, a, to a certain extent. And I think the core mechanical problem with Facebook is that the news feed is algorithmic and rewards the most emotionally charged, sensational, uh, and usually false, untrue information, rewards it and surfaces it to the most people because that's what people click on, that's what people engage with, which keeps them on the platform longer, which then serves more advertising. So the solution to Facebook is, is an algorithmic problem. And I'm wondering, does Doximity work mechanically the same way? Do the most sensational, uh, false, misleading things bubble up to the top and get the most engagement? And, and is that the problem as you see it, or is there something else going on there? Um, I think that's that's part of it because, you know, just, you know, I don't know. I'm looking at it from the user point of view, so I don't know what's um, going on underneath the, the hood, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But uh, in effect, you know, if you look at the... Um, you know, the articles that are posted and then the comments, you could see that pretty much what bubbles up to the service is that whatever can be argued about in a controversial, divisive way that it suits certain people's agenda, that gets, you know, lots of likes and appreciation and clapping uh, emojis. (laughs) The more rational majority of doctors are silent. You know, they're either not Mm. participating or they don't want to engage with with uh, other doctors who are uh, defamatory or insulting or are pushing conspiracy theories. So there's a, a, either an intrinsic or, or extrinsic bias toward um, this, some of the, you know, a lot of the same stuff you see on Facebook. How does the platform combat that? I don't know. I think since the, um, the CNBC article, they might have had some effort at, at uh, adjusting. So I've seen some efforts, it seems, with trying to screen people. Uh, and of course, the people that are um, have their comments uh, deleted or suspended, uh, they get upset and, you know, say it's censorship and this and that. And actually, initially, uh, even the people who were 
trying to counteract in misinformation, me and some other doctors, we were getting censored. You know, we were having our posts deleted because, you know, quite frankly, you get upset with this this type of behavior and you, you, you would say, okay, well, that's a bunch of nonsense or something like that. And then, then your post would be taken down because you're not acting, quote, professional. So you have to sometimes use euphemisms or other ways of saying things to uh, get your message across. So on an individual level, what have your interactions been on the platform? Have you succeeded in convincing any doctors not to spread this? Like, is what's what's happened on a person-to-person basis? Sometimes I do get some favorable responses, either in the comments or even a personal message, you know, like, okay, well, yeah, I was naive about this, and thanks for clarifying this. <laughs> so, uh, you know... It, converting the diehard people who are, you know, out for the the money behind this, you know, with misinformation, you know, money is a strong motivator. We have similar moral arguments on doximity. You know, let's say there was some recent articles on how doctors should accept, you know, alcoholic drinks at at education events. And a bunch of uh, doximity doctors went on uh, the rampage pretty much saying, you know, oh, how dare you question doctors? You know, we, you know, we, we wouldn't be swayed by a, a one drink or a, a meal or something like that. And that wasn't the point, you know, and, it, you know, then they would go into, well, what about politicians? What about, you know, the what about isms? So that whole, you know, thing is, is just, uh, it's just, frankly, horrible. You know, then you look at ProPublica and other databases where, you know, just to see the, the very same doctors that are making these comments, a lot mm-hmm. of them are accepting, you know, speaker money, consulting money. I mean, up to, I found a couple that had, you know, were um, getting about $18,000 a year, and uh, you know, from drug companies or equipment companies that make screws for your, your back, you know, for uh, orthopedic surgery. And some I've we found that it had been implicated in, in um, you know, scandals, you know, with um, in all sorts of fashions. Some had their licenses taken away, yet they still used a doctor title. So there's a whole host of characters on, well, any social platform. What's your favorite part or like your best interaction on the platform so far? I guess it's with um, like-minded uh, physicians who are also promoting information as opposed to misinformation. That's one of the reasons why we got involved with, well, at least me, more involved with the media, you know, speaking out about the misinformation. You know, there are a number of doctors that also feel that way, but they're, they're afraid of, uh, you know, having their names used because, you know, of course, who doesn't fear a, a $10 billion company, you know, or other doctors that, that may or may not retaliate in some way that decide to um, file a defamation lawsuit or some sort of civil action. You know, it's, it's not without risk. I don't envy doctors in this moment because there's so much to battle. And because um, everyone thinks they're a doctor now and it's so insulting to actual doctors. Yeah. When you walk into a doctor's office, you don't say, well, show me your licenses and, and degrees and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. But of course, as an American grad, especially when I was training, I would look at the quality of people that are coming from, you know, let's say, um, you know, FMGs, foreign medical grads, you know, the, the bell curve of, you know, how well they did undergraduate or science-based 
information before they went to medical school could be very questionable. And you see that reflected also on proximity. Quite a few doctors, they're just not that great at physics and chemistry, sciences that, that may or may not play a part in you know deciding whether masks work or vaccines work. And uh, they also don't may not have the time to go into um, all the information behind it, you know, like the history of vaccines, you know, books on vaccines, uh, immunology, epidemiology. I've done tons of research on this. I've spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours, you know, reading on this. And um, with the CMEs that most doctors do, it's specific to their specialty. They're not going to go back to a, a, a basic physics book to, you know, learn the physics behind how uh, respirators or masks work, you know, electrostatic forces and things like that. So it's um, it's pretty interesting to see quite a few of the doctors don't even read the articles. They just read the title of it, and then they comment on based on their bias. And then you say, well, did you actually read the article? No, I didn't have to read the article. <laughs> <laughs> so there are people that, that click on these things, get the, the CME, and then they, you know, click back out and then they make some sort of you know misinformation comment based on their opinions of the title um and you know very few of the doctors have the time or the will to go into depth in the article and fortunately i have the time to go into all that thousands and thousands of publications and studies and i know how many are flawed you know most of them are flawed mm-hmm. but it takes a lot of critical thinking skills and a lot of training a lot of experience to be able to go into scientific papers, medical papers, and find the flaws. You know, so a lot of the stuff that you see out in the media, they're drawn from the pre-publication, which is not peer-reviewed studies, and they could be terrible, terrible studies, and they could be withdrawn, you know, weeks or months after the fact. But they already hit the main mainstream news, is where you know they play it up. Okay, well, this study showed this, you know. But they, they kind of, well, it's pre-publication, it's not peer-reviewed, but nobody, you know, the public doesn't usually know what that even means. You know, it could be total nonsense, and a lot of times it is. What do you think Doximity should be doing? Well, I think that, um, well, I would hate to use Facebook as a model, but, you know, if they're not using an uh, artificial intelligence algorithm to try to filter things out, I think they should start using it or, or implementing it more seriously. I also think that, you know, they even though they say in abstract that they use MDs or real doctors to help filter out the misinformation or police the platform, I have a feeling that that's mainly not done. You know, the, the few responses that I've had um, with Doximity itself is, you know, it's it's like a customer service person getting back to me that, okay, I, I uh, supposedly violated the rules of the community uh i was not polite or something and that's why they they took off my post the delayed posting it so they could do i think a a far better job wow what tips do you have for all of us to convince the anti-vaxxers in our lives well i would just keep honing in on the science and the facts uh, behind you know what people are you know talking about and try to gravitate toward, you know, let's say um, NIH, FDA, CDC. Of course, they have limitations. They're not perfect. Uh, But, you know, they do correct their errors uh, after a while. And, um, but, you know, to look at social media 
as a fact-finding mission is prone to a lot of problems because you know uh, all things get inflated out of proportion just like i was saying with the pre-publication so so for the average consumer it's extremely challenging you know they say go talk to your doctor you know your primary care doctor but a lot of primary care doctors don't keep up on all this you know vast array of information it's like asking me like you know who should i go to for my back surgery you know there's really no simple answer to this all right well that was uplifting and sad. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for fighting the good fight and spending what seems like all of your spare time working on getting people vaccinated. Yeah. Thank you. You're quite welcome. Thanks a lot for your hosting this. And I really appreciate your efforts at countering misinformation. Well, thank God for Dr. Malarik, who is fighting the good fight. I can't, it's hard enough to fight idiots with facts, but fighting someone who thinks that they are smart and still resistant to facts seems well, so insane. Well, the other thing is the doctors who it seems like they know the facts and they just would prefer to peddle their own stuff. Yeah. That might make me saddest of all. They're like the libertarians of the medical community. You know better, but you only want better for yourself. Yeah. But don't, isn't that part of the Hippocratic Oath is to like serve and protect and whatever? No. <laughs> to serve and protect. Protect? No, that's <laughs> the, the police military? force, which they don't no, do that but isn't either. There, isn't there something though that they serve? Yeah, no they, they do no harm. Yeah, there the you go, that one. Yeah, but apparently... The good doc said that they don't care about that. Well, they don't. They, nobody <laughs> thinks the board, they're doing harm. They think that they're right. I mean, this is this, uh, this is no, the Matt, Matt. Come on, Matt. Yeah, no. Come on now, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. 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 No, 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 that no, no, doctor but, but, who is selling ivermectin out of no, his no, backyard. Of, he knows. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess I'm. Th those people exist, and they are shitty people. But I, I, I think the majority of people who spread misinformation are like, no, no, no. This is the correct information, and you need to see it because they think they have yes the general public knowledge. i think yes what's fascinating to me is when medical professionals share it yeah but i, I again i'm not in the platform and i don't want to put words in yeah because you're not a doctor I'm, I'm not a, i can't get in but like i i have to assume that these are just regular biased people who are like oh the vaccine i'm a doctor oh the vaccine they're not like peddling like some of them are, but yeah. the majority are just people who don't think critically, as as Dr. Malik was saying. But the majority of the people, majority of doctors are not these people. It's just yeah, that these people are so loud and prolific that it makes it seem like a lot of them. But there's not a yeah. lot of them. The majority and of Facebook users are not bad people peddling misinformation. The algorithm just puts the bullshit on the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, there's a lot of people on Facebook that are peddling misinformation i'm not saying it's the majority mm -hmm, but right. it is closer to half than i bet is than what's going on at doximity you know what i mean i bet half the medical community on doximity does not support these ding-dongs that are anti-vaxxers of course uh, but i mean i think it's we should not throw around statistics but i guess yeah, what i'm true, saying is true. like the pr as I alluded to a little bit in the interview, like the problem with these platforms is that the 1% of people who shout the loudest about 
vaccines and aliens and government conspiracies, that's the content that comes to the fore and then tricks people, misleads people maliciously or otherwise into thinking, oh, I never thought about it that way. I saw it on Facebook. You know, like these are not bad people per se. They're just susceptible to this shit. Uh, And it, it, it reaches exponentially more people than it would in a different medium, I suppose. Yeah, this is we're living in the social media version of, um, you know, in the 90s when all the violent and negative news started taking hold of the news and no longer were you seeing news stories about like puppies getting rescued. It was like violence and drugs and Mm -hmm. gangs because that's what people were watching. But it really wasn't there wasn't like a rise in crime that, you know, yes validated something like that we're seeing that now sort of in the social media version of that for sure that's spot on cable 24 7 cable news was powered by advertising and ratings and it's like you had to keep people glued to your network and the way to do that was fires and crime which then got more eyeballs which then got more advertising it's literally the same thing on social on 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 advertising based social media is doximity ad based because i mean i guess how else would you make money I was uh, trying to ask that, and and I think um, Dr. Mallard was answering a different question and making other important points. Uh, so I would like to know. I suspect it is because otherwise, you know, I, like I think about a social media platform like um, like Discord, for example. Mm-hmm. Discord does not have ads. It is they make a lot of money selling premium features to people who want to build real communities about a thing or. a whatever that they like to talk about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And therefore, like, obviously information spreads, misinformation will spread on Discord, but like, you don't log into Discord and the the top post is some conspiracy theory. You log into Discord to chat with your friends and some of them pay money and keep Discord going. Like that difference in social media business model is huge in, in, in my opinion, based on what I've observed that, that, that demarcation. The internet does say, for whatever it's worth, that Doximity makes most of it, 80% of its revenue comes from ads paid by pharmaceutical firms and hospitals. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, Although you'd think with all that ad money coming in from pharma, they would just dominate with the vaccine stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I want to know how much ivermectin paid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the interesting thing about ivermectin is that there are some positive studies about it, but it took off in developing countries that are hungry for the vaccine and don't have it yet. Yeah. So it's so fascinating and sad that in the U.S. where we have an overabundance of vaccine that people then flocked to what is a last resort in other countries. And then people yell like, oh, the left doesn't acknowledge that it works. And like, I believe there are some studies that it has benefits. But again, it has benefits if you don't have access to the vaccine, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's interesting. interesting is that we are trying to find out what the problem is. Like, why does this keep happening? And the answer is capitalism. I don't know what we should do instead, but capitalism is literally killing us, y'all. We got to figure it out because capitalism is the worst. I mean, they have to make money. I just think ads are, well, I don't even they know They have to make money are. because 
of capitalism. <laughs> right. I am a fan of conscious capitalism. Like I don't necessarily think capitalism is has to go. Like I don't yeah, see another system that works. Regulated right. conscious capitalism. I don't capitalism. see another system that works either. I'm just saying this one is definitely killing yeah, us. Yeah, this one's gone too far. It's like it's actively killing far. us. <laughs> Socialism works uh, where you regulate things and make sure people have food and medicine and housing, and then the rest can be business. Like that, that really does work in other countries. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not too scary. But imagine a, imagine if a platform like Doximity was like a closed ecosystem, a pay, even if it's five dollars, mm-hmm. that's going to keep the majority of the riffraff out. We, we've we've covered this a little bit, where it's like. A, it's a professional place for real doctors to to really discuss important things as opposed to an open platform f- supported by advertising where anything goes and the screamiest post it get it rises to the top like yeah and you could kick someone out <laughs> it's sure. like right well you have to pay to be here and we can do whatever we want because it's a membership based thing and if you go against what as a, a community we hold important, you're out of here. Question. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn doesn't seem to have such issues with misinformation. Is that correct? Probably not as much. And I think I the, haven't reason heard about the, it. the reason is because again, I mean, they have a different payment model, which is premium they subscriptions. Have, they have ads, I'm sure, but premium subscriptions, like if you're a recruiter or you're looking for a job or what, like there's a business model, like this tool helps you find candidates and get jobs. Like yeah. that has value. People pay for it. Yeah. Cause they We're have that go. feed, but I don't feel like it is the same level of like the most incendiary stuff makes it to the top. Yes, I think you're right. So and LinkedIn is the model. It's right. It's like a hybrid model. I mean, right. Taking and it's worth bajillions of dollars. Uh, I yeah. be- Microsoft bought LinkedIn. Am Never I thought yeah, I'd maybe. say it, but thanks, LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> you're the one there for me. You heard it here. Quit all your social media except for LinkedIn. Anyway, I hope y'all are vaccinated. Uh, <laughs> tweet me your vaccine card. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, don't share your vaccine cards, people. Yeah, because someone else will like copy it. But anyway, uh, across platforms, you can find me at Ali underscore Goldie, A-L-L-I underscore G-O-L-D-I. Please follow me. I am at the Lindsay Life, T-H-E-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-L-I-F-E across all platforms. You can also email us. That email is 2g1podcast at gmail.com. And you can call us here at this number. 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And most importantly, you can give us your money so that we don't have to spread misinformation. Go to patreon.com slash 2g1p. Please, yes. please go Otherwise, back. we will start running crazy ads about alien blood lies. saving us. <laughs> yeah. So please, patreon.com slash 2G1P. No amount is too small. Although smaller too amounts large. don't get you perks. But <laughs> <laughs> smaller amounts, we love them. Yeah. And you're right, Lindsay. No amount is too large. You know, feel free to give us all of your money. You can join us in our Discord, discord.gg slash 2G1P. People are suggesting topics, chatting. We also finally created a Facebook page. Even though Facebook is the devil, if you're not on Facebook, don't join. But if you're already there, search for (laughs) Two Girls, One Podcast, and you will find us. 
And you if can... you deleted Facebook, undelete it, sign no. back in. No, and no, no, no. If you deleted it, delete good it. for you. What but I love, and people, I love how many people are like, hashtag delete Facebook, but they've still got Instagram. Yeah. And WhatsApp. Yeah, and I'm like, this is yeah. not. That's still Facebook, bros. Yep. Anyway, heart your faces. Bye. See ya. One podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. Then wrapped in medical tape for six to eight weeks. I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Bat, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. We want to enjoy this diversion.